episode of the fantasy fanatics podcast uh, i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate nate i guess how do you feel about us getting to 200 episodes this is a crazy milestone yeah it wasn't too long ago that we just started but it's already been 200 episodes so it's pretty cool yeah i'd say we started at the end of 2020 i believe so we've been running for almost two years um, yeah, it's crazy that we've averaged 100 episodes a year, which is pretty solid. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great, you know, just being able to talk NBA, NFL, NHL. Um, yeah, all all the various topics and players that we've gone through. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I mean, today we got another great episode. We're going to talk some draft strategies uh, we'll go through the NBA first and then the NHL and then the NFL. We'll talk about fantasy straight up for all three. Um, we'll just talk about, I guess, some different strategies that we have when we head into a draft as we sort of look at rankings, as we look at a draft board and like how we sort of construct our teams. Hopefully it'll be pretty educational. So I guess, how does that sound? Sounds good. All right, let's hop right into it. We'll start with some big time basketball I will dive right into drafting for NBA. Obviously, whether you play standard category NBA leagues, whether you play points leagues, uh, whether you play dynasty leagues, whatever it is, there's always different strategies that goes into drafting your basketball roster. I'd say uh, on average, uh, most leagues are around 12 teams and you got about a 13 man roster, 13 to 15. Sometimes there's three bench spots, sometimes there's five. So, um, yeah, it, it just depends. Um, obviously, um, I guess looking at the top 10 heading into the 2022-23 season, um, as of right now, um, a lot of experts have Nikola Jokic at one, Steph Curry at two, Joel Embiid at three, Yanis Antetokounmpo at four, Jason Tatum at five, James Harden at six, Carl Anthony Towns at seven, Luka Doncic at eight, Kevin Durant at nine, and Damian Lillard at 10. Um, I guess if you were heading into a draft, um, I'll start with like positions first. I guess, do you have a specific position that you look for in the first round, or do you like to draft best player available, or like does it depend? I guess maybe you can explain. So I think for my first pick, uh, especially if you have like an early pick, like your number one or number two, I think the first thing you should do is try to find a couple of players who can cover a lot of categories. For example, um, Jokic can cover points, rebounds, and assists pretty consistently. So you probably want to draft someone like him. Um, historically, people would draft LeBron. I mean, LeBron's a little bit lower now, but he used to be one of those players that play multiple you can slide him in multiple positions just to get a lot of points he still gets a lot of points but a lot of points a lot of rebounds a lot of a lot of assists so generally in general that's what you want to go for yeah i definitely agree you definitely got to go for guys that are going to provide good category coverage um, yeah, you mentioned Nikola Jokic. He's number one for a reason. He's like, what, back-to-back uh, MVP at this point. He's, um, 
yeah, he's just he's pretty much the best player in fantasy for like two years running. Um, I know um, like Steph Curry, he really had a great year this past season. Um, maybe in points leagues, you could lean with Curry over Jokic. But at the end of the day, Jokic still scores a lot of points, too. You could even take him first overall there. So, um, yeah, definitely, I guess for me going in uh, with my first pick, I guess I'm not too picky when it comes to the position. I guess as I get further on, um, I sort of like start leaning towards big. So players that play like power forward or like center, just because they dry up really quick. That's what I found in a lot of leagues that I played in. You can find a lot of like decent cover category coverage guards, I guess, later on. So what some people tend to do is they tend to take a star guard with their first pick, like a Curry, like a Harden or, or whoever, like a Damian Lillard, someone like that. And then they'll just start drafting like bigs after that. They'll draft like um, you, you go further down. They'll take like a Bam Adebayo. They'll take a Nikola Vucevic, a Robert Williams, that kind of thing. And they'll just sort of load up their team with bigs after that and then sort of come back around and fill out the rest of their team. I guess also um, if, a, if a guard sort of falls to you in the draft, that's also a, another reason why you might take a guard before taking a big. That's why I don't tend to reach for guards too much unless I really like the player, just because they're so readily available in drafts. I guess, what are your thoughts on, I guess, positions in later rounds? I think for later rounds, I kind of agree with, like, with what you said. Um, there's normally a lot of really good guards and some good wings too in the later rounds. So my personal opinion is if you can um, get like a superstar big man, you should probably go for them first over like a guard. Even if it's like a like a game transcending guard like Steph Curry, like maybe you could go for Steph Curry just because of how transcendent he is as a player. But for the most part, you probably want to go for like a big first. Yeah, trust me, those uh, centers and power forwards that can get double doubles on a nightly basis, like you don't know how valuable they are. Like they're just insane, especially guys like Robert Williams that gets a lot of blocks. Like those are really valuable. Uh, if Miles Turner's healthy, he's another one of those guys that's always getting a lot of blocks. So you definitely want to have those kind of guys, especially if you're in like a categories league. Um, and then I guess just getting like further down. Um, I guess, how quickly do you draft rookies? Um, how do you, how can you tell if like maybe a second or third year player is going to like break out? I guess, what are your thoughts on that for fantasy? I guess normally I'm not really too big on rookies personally. So unless it's like a rookie who's, for example, like Scotty Barnes type of player who ends up being good like really soon or someone like Evan Mobley, like Evan I think Evan Mobley was already fantasy relevant in his first year. So unless it's going to be someone like that, I wouldn't um, really go for them. So I normally like wait till the end of my draft for that. I guess in terms of breakout, um, I guess there isn't really a science to that, if that makes sense. It's just kind of feeling you liked, like how they play. You've been following their development over the years or they – yeah for sure because like guys i remember from last year i know a lot of people were like really pushing for lamello ball like potentially even going in the top 10 uh with like how people thought he was going to break out um of course like anthony edwards as well guys like miles bridges and others i remember that like people were sort of like projecting breakouts for these guys 
um, you know, guys like Michael Porter Jr. and those kind of guys. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely difficult to project. Obviously, like you said, if you're following the sport really closely, it's a lot easier to sort of pick up on who potentially could break out. You're looking at different team situations. Is this guy going to be getting the minutes? Who is he going to be playing with? That kind of thing. Those things matter, especially if a guy's a starter and he's getting starting minutes. That can go a long way in terms of category coverage. Um, points leagues, it's a little bit different. Like they got to be a reliable scorer. But if you're in category leagues, I guess if you're getting a guy that's playing top minutes, he's going to contribute one way or another in category. So it's like one of those things you got to keep an eye on. And um, I guess um, in terms of, um, I guess, just finishing out your draft and, and I guess like rounding out your bench, uh, do you tend to take like younger guys on your bench? Do you tend to take like more reliable guys? Like, I guess, what are your thoughts on your bench? Um, I guess for the bench, um, again, it's not, not necessarily um, too specific. I normally just kind of go for players that, I guess I just kind of kind of like um, players that I feel like they could be um, fairly consistent, or if I think that they have a lot of um, value, or if I think they're maybe undervalued, like they're playing higher than what their rank could show, could might go for that. Yeah, for sure. I think like if you play dynasty leagues, I think your bench is a good way, I guess, to like stash young talent. And then like, if they break out, then you can kind of like use them in the rest of your lineup. Like I've played in the keeper and dynasty leagues before. And uh, yeah, a lot of times on your bench, you're like drafting like some young guys um, just projecting whether they're going to break out that kind of thing. So um, yeah, especially if you're in like keeper dynasty leagues, just make sure that your bench is sort of loaded with like those younger guys, because at the end of the day, um, the guys that break out are going to end up being your keepers heading into the next season. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, and then, yeah, um, I guess in terms of uh, crafting your team, you're pretty much just trying to um, round out um, different categories. If you're in a categories league for points, it's more straightforward. You're just drafting the guys that have the higher point totals. I guess in terms of like categories leagues, um, are you the kind of person that tries to draft to cover all the categories or do you punt certain categories so that you're trying to win the same six or seven categories every week? I guess, um, what are your thoughts on that when you're drafting? I think it's like a little bit of both because there's going to be because it's kind of hard to cover all the categories, but it's something that you want to keep in mind. So for example, let's say I want, like I still want to cover most of the categories, but I want to make sure that I'm um, pretty high ranked in my fantasy league and rebounding. I probably look for a couple of guys who can get uh, some really high rebounds. So I probably keep going for a lot of bigs first and then um, at least at the beginning of the draft and then the rest of the draft, I'll try to kind of round up the roster. Yeah, um, I think it honestly depends on like your league size and it depends on like a few other things like the skill level of your league and that kind of thing. Because I know I've done the strategy before where you punch certain categories, but then the problem is when there's another team that's better than you than you on, on your categories, then it's almost like you have no chance that week to win the other ones because you've already punted them, you know? Like, for example, if you draft all bigs and you have no one to shoot threes, let's just say you lose rebounds one week, you're going to lose threes too because you didn't draft anyone to shoot. So 
honestly, in my opinion, at the beginning of the season, I would draft to cover all the categories. And then you can kind of judge as the season goes along, what are your strengths? Well, and then maybe make some trades to sort of alter your roster around those strengths, that kind of thing. Because I, I know I've done that before where you think you're drafting certain categories. And then in the at the end of the day, you're not going to win those categories on a weekly basis. So then you're going to take a lot more losses week by week. So yeah, um, there's many different ways to be drafting uh, in fantasy basketball. Um, honestly, I guess, do you have any last like thoughts, like any like nuggets in terms of like uh, different draft strategies or I guess like this year's rankings? Um, I think for draft strategies, um, it's, I feel like basketball is one of the sports where you kind of want to watch the games a bit because that's going to kind of give you um, some intuition on which players to draft and you kind of want to take a look a look at the roster um, who gets the most minutes and you kind of want to um, see if uh, certain players kind of have injury, injury history because if they end up getting injured that's going to affect your season. Honestly what you said about minutes I, I really agree with because um, sometimes stats can deceive you a little bit like someone can like drop like 15 points in like 15 minutes but if they're only getting 15 minutes every game they're not going to do that every single game right like you gotta gotta make sure they're getting at least like 25 or, or so minutes so that they're able to produce for you on a consistent basis so it's one of those things yeah definitely like you said keeping an eye on injuries guys to pick up uh, that kind of thing um if we talked about uh but I guess before the recording, we talked about a guy like TJ Warren, like he's, he's never really healthy. Like he's a great player. You'd want to draft him, but you just got to be careful with a guy like him. Um, you know, always uh, being injured, that kind of thing. Even guys that like, we don't know whether they're going to be traded or not guys like Kevin Durant. Um, you know, there, there's just different names that could get moved. I know Rudy Gobert just got moved uh, different players bouncing around. It's the off season. It's probably a little too early to draft in my opinion, unless you have something going on the rest of the summer and you can't draft, then I probably would advise to wait till September. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's um, a lot easier to kind of try to draft closer to when um, the NBA starts, like maybe a couple of weeks before, because right now anything can happen. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, yeah, fantasy basketball, it's so fun. It's a uh, I mean, you got to manage your roster on a daily basis, but at the end of the day, um, some leagues only have like three to five players on their bench. So it's not too much work. Um, and then, uh, you know, you just make a few pickups here and there. And I mean, if you're, if you're watching basketball and like you said, then you're going to, you're pretty much going to be spot on with everything that's going on. You'll be able to pick up the right players and, and yeah, uh, this season should be, I guess, pretty great overall. Um, I guess, um, any, players in that top 10 that we mentioned that really stand out to you that could um, potentially break out as the number one overall player over Nikola Jokic? That's going to be um, hard to tell just because um, Jokic covers at least three different categories really well. Um, I mean, Joel Embiid, he covers points, he covers rebounds pretty consistently. You get um, locks as well. It's possible, but it's going to be tough. Um, Steph Curry, he gets uh, points and assists. And Giannis, he's pretty well-rounded as well. I mean, I feel like I'd still take Jokic as the number one 
for next season just because he can cover at least three categories pretty um, consistently. I think any other player would want to overtake him but have to cover at least three categories themselves. Yeah, I think for me, if I'm in the, the first spot, I'm taking either Nikola Jokic or Steph Curry, depending on the way I want to craft my team. Just one of those two players for me. If there's a guy I think that could maybe jump up if he's healthy, it might be Luka Doncic. I feel like he has that potential considering all the category coverage he does on a regular basis. The only problem is he's not healthy on a consistent basis. So um, I'd say that both um, Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry are safer options in terms of their injury history. So um, I guess that's definitely something to keep in mind as well. And yeah, um, it's been great talking draft strategies for fantasy basketball. So I guess I'm just going to move it to you for everything NHL. All right. So for everything NHL, uh, we're going to look at um, some rankings for different players. Uh, we'll go down and uh, we'll uh, check out some different players and then we'll see what we think. Does that sound? Sounds good. All right. So I guess we'll go 10 at a time. And I'll just list out the 10 players and then you just tell me your thoughts. All right, let's jump into it. All right, so the first 10 are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Kirill Kaczmarek, Nico Ratner, Nikita Kucherov, Jonathan Huberdeau, and Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, honestly, I guess in terms of draft strategies, how I would start at the top of the board. Um, I think it's it's similar to NBA in the fact that like you're just pretty much taking best player available at that point. Like if you're not taking Connor McDavid at that point, like probably just stop playing fantasy hockey. I know there were some people advocating for Nathan McKinnon last year, and I kept saying like, no, it's not going to happen. It's going to be Connor McDavid. He's so consistent every year. Covers goals, assists shots power play points he has a good plus minus he even gets hits like once in a while so he's the top guy so a lot of forwards here obviously like kale mccarr is like a defender um but yeah um he he's looked great he's looked very consistent uh, so you could if you really want to take defense in the first round um, it wouldn't hurt because he is a solid producer. And then uh, you get Andre Vasilevsky as your goalie. I know I have taken him early. I still don't know how wise it is to take a goalie in the first round, considering that if like they falter for any reason, then you're, you're missing out on that like top forward proje- production that you would be getting if you drafted one of the top forwards around him. Um, maybe like a guy further down, like a Sidney Crosby or like an Alex Ovechkin, a Steven Stamkos, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I guess at the top of the board, I'm pretty much just taking best player available. I usually take a forward, but I know there are exceptions. I guess, um, I guess what are your thoughts when you're heading um, in, in, I guess, or drafting early in fantasy hockey? I guess I kind of just go with um, who I think the best player is. So I probably go with someone like Connor McDavid first, just because I feel like he's kind of the best player in the NHL right now. Um, I guess someone who can score consistently or they have like really high plus minus, something like that. So be someone like Connor McDavid. You could maybe take Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, or Austin Matthews as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of um, how I go with that. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, um, I guess as I move like further down, um, 
I know like not everyone likes to do this, but sometimes I like to just round out like my starting like five or six players. Like I I'd grab like like three forwards, like one center, one left wing, one right wing, two defensemen, and then like one goalie. Um, it doesn't always work out the best that way. Sometimes you got to take more defensemen first, depending on uh, how the other, I guess, people around you are drafting. Sometimes goalies are flying off the board, so you kind of have to reach for one. I think that's the difference between like fantasy hockey and fantasy basketball. I guess with fantasy basketball, there's so many like slash positions and like um, try eligible players, that kind of thing. So you're, it's not like you're going to miss out on a certain position, but in hockey, uh, when like certain positions are flying off the board, you find yourself reaching unnecessarily. I've done it for goalies before I've done it for defensemen before, and I've done it for the wing spots that are not center. Cause I know center is like probably the deepest position, but I know I've definitely done it uh, with all those other positions. Um, I don't know. I guess what are your thoughts on like, I guess, early in the earlier rounds, like what, what you normally do? I guess for the earlier rounds, um, I normally just go with who I think is the best player. Um, it also depends on, like you said, availability. So if, for example, I don't think I'm going to be able to get a goalie, a really good goalie later on based on my draft position, I might reach for a goalie first, but I'd say other than that, maybe just go for the best player. You could also take, I guess, a center early on. Uh, for example, you take Connor McDavid first or you take Nathan McKinnon first because they're, uh, they're two of the best guys at the position. So you're good for maybe like the later end of the draft or like the middle of the draft and then take some other positions yeah i think that's something i've done as well like you take that like high profile center at the beginning and then you kind of like wait because a lot of the other centers they're going to fall to you because center is like the deepest position so it's natural that people aren't going to need as many so like i think there was a time where it's like i took Sidney crosby as like my first center and then i waited all the way to like what was it like round 10 and i got like ryan o'reilly or something like the like good centers, they'll like find a way to fall to you and you'll get still like really solid value later on. Like, I feel like uh, you're right in the sense like center is like one of the more like uh, valuable positions, but yet there's like so many available that you can kind of wait to take it. I guess maybe it's, it's kind of like quarterback in fantasy football, but like not the same way in the sense that like you, I mean, you, you still take that big center at the beginning, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't rush to fill out like your, your two centers or your three centers, whatever. Like you can always wait to, I guess, pick up guys like that. Um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, getting further into the draft, I guess I'm someone that likes to take shots on like rookies or like breakout potential players. Um, I guess, are you that way? Or are you more like the veterans guys? Like these guys I know are going to like produce for me on a consistent basis. Yeah, I'm also more of a veterans guy in hockey as well. Again, unless it's someone who could potentially break out like a really good rookie. Like, for example, if Connor McDavid was a, was a rookie or something like that, then maybe I'd, I'd go for a player like that. But for the most part, I kind of tend to stick with players that I can kind of like see their stats, if that makes sense. 
yeah it's going back to what you said in nba like if you're watching like hockey like on a regular basis then you can kind of know like different situations i guess line combinations that's one thing you need to look out for i know for fantasy basketball it's all about like minutes but like line combinations for hockey is important like if if your guy gets put on a line like let's just say you drafted kyler yamamoto and he gets put on the line with Connor mcdavid then like right there is like his fantasy value is going to jump so if you keep an eye on the line combinations, especially like pickups during the year, if you keep an eye on like who's playing on like what line, I know when we were giving out pickups, we always try to keep an eye on that. Like um, as like as long as they're playing on like a top two line, usually they're going to be producing. So it's definitely something that we try to do um, in terms of like, yeah, guys in late rounds and uh, guys that you're picking up. Do you definitely want to go for guys that have good line placement so that, yeah, they can have the potential to, I guess, break out. Sure. And I guess uh, one thing that's kind of a bit of a tangent, I know there's um, some players, for example, Ofrako uh, Budas, who specialize in like certain, I guess, stats. For example, Ofrako Budas gets a lot of hits every season. So I guess this. I guess whether it's doesn't have to necessarily be hits, but like, what are your thoughts on drafting on players who kind of specialize in certain stats? Yeah, I feel like that. Um, I mean, we talked about this in NBA too. Like, if you're playing in category leagues, the early guys should be covering a lot of categories, and then I guess later on, you're drafting like specialist type guys. Like you mentioned, Radko Gudis for hits. If you play in a penalty minutes league, I think he gets a lot of penalty minutes as well. So, um, yeah, like those two stats he'd cover. And then you get guys that like get a lot of shots, like a Victor Arvidsson, who you're probably not taking in like your top 100 overall players. But at the end of the day, like he's one of these guys that's going to get a whole leap of shots and you can get him in like later rounds. So um, guys like that, um, for goalies it's a lot tougher when it comes to certain categories you're just trying to get starts at the end of the day if you get a guy that's going to give you one or two starts a week i think you're good at that point um definitely get two solid starting goalies and then if your third goalie isn't is like a 1a 1b type goalie or maybe like a really solid backup then i think it's okay but if you only have one like really good starter then you're kind of in that like like bad area in the sense that you're going to be rushing to the waiver wire, just trying to pick up a guy every time someone gets injured. And then if you have a certain amount of goalie starts you need to get for each week, you're going to be running into a lot of trouble for that. So um, goalies, it's a lot harder to pick categories, but like for forwards, like a lot of times that like you can just grab someone from like a top team, like Colorado, for example, that you can grab like one of their like second pairing defensemen, just because they'll have such a good plus minus because they're on a good team. And then you can just target them for that stuff like that um yeah at the end of your draft you can definitely hit guys that are like specializing in categories for sure i mean speaking of teams you obviously don't want to draft um tampa bay's entire roster because the entire roster doesn't necessarily get um i guess consistent enough ice time but what are your thoughts on drafting on certain teams yeah i think this is where the nba and nhl are like different for the NBA, you're pretty much just going for like players that are going to be getting points, getting rebounds, all that kind of thing. And it doesn't really matter which team necessarily they're on. But for hockey, because of like plus minus, because of like uh, production, like especially for goalies, like you're not drafting goalies from like bottom level teams. Like I think going into next year, like some of the bottom 
uh, level teams are going to be teams like Arizona. Uh, it's going to be teams like Montreal, potentially, if they stay at the bottom, New Jersey, Seattle, we'll see Chicago. Yeah, it's just going to depend. I feel like, uh, yeah, you just got to watch out, especially drafting goalies from those teams forwards. You got to pick and choose depending on like plus minus that kind of thing. Um, and if you're like, we mentioned punting categories in NBA, like if in NHL, you're punting plus minus, then yeah, you'll go ahead and you'll grab guys from like lower uh, level teams uh, just for like points, like Tyler Bertuzzi, you'll take him for like shots and hits from Detroit, even if they're not necessarily one of the best teams. So yeah, honestly, um, you got to try and not draft too much from these uh, like bad teams, but um, yeah, I think that's what differs fantasy hockey from basketball. I'd say even in hockey to some degree, depending on the team, on the team that you're talking about, for example, if it's a team that's kind of, they're kind of on the cusp of something that could happen. For example, the Rangers were kind of on the cusp of, of like the playoff entrance and they just came up a little bit short. Um, depending on where you are on the drafts, you could have gotten a player like a disadvantage that we've covered a lot of categories for. Um, and considering him like last season, he could have been drafted somewhere um, in the middle, not necessarily like too late, but not necessarily too deep, too early either, if that makes sense. So um, I guess what are your thoughts on potential breakout players on teams that are in the middle of the pack? Yeah, like you're definitely right on about that. Like you got to look at those teams that are on the rise. Like I think maybe a, a team that a lot of people are picking to be on the rise this year is the Buffalo Sabres. So you got to look for guys on that team, maybe like a Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck, Erasmus Dahlin. Um, guys like that you think this team's going to be better this year you definitely go target those guys uh, we know those buffalo guys they were fantasy valuable last year if this team breaks out they'll be even more fantasy valuable so um that's you're, you're right that's definitely something i look for um like you said like we were saying second and third year players especially uh, more rookies i think in in fantasy hockey than in fantasy basketball will have impact so also take a look at rookies from some of these teams as well i guess um I'm going to ask, is it necessarily something you can predict with um, 100% accuracy? But I guess, um, what are your thoughts on potential schedule strength for drafting? Yeah, that's that's one of the more things that's uh, a little bit more important for fantasy hockey than basketball is like schedule strength. I feel like that if you know that your team has like an easier division and you, you might be able to get guys uh, like from the Calgary flames, since they play in the Pacific division, they'll sort of beat up on some of the lower level teams. And then, yeah, you'll, you'll have a lot more value there. Um, yeah. D- d- different strategies like that. You just, uh, I know there's the strategy for like games in a week. Uh, you can apply that to basketball as well, where it's like, if you know a guy's playing like four games that week, you just pick him up at the beginning of the week and you just hold them. So you don't use all your pickups for the week. So stuff like that, you can keep an eye on. And I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on, I guess, different strategies for the tail end of the draft? Yeah, so at the end of the draft, um, I know we did mention you can draft like guys for specific categories. I'm usually filling up my bench with like rookies and I guess like second year breakout players. That's normally what I'm doing. You might see a vet here and there, but it's in keeper leagues, it's mostly all rookies. And then in like like regular standard uh, 12-man um, leagues, it's just like 
guys I think have the potential to break out. That's usually what's going to be at the tail end of my draft. Sure. And I guess just talking about defensemen, normally you'd want to draft defensemen a little bit later just because it's uh, difficult for them to kind of contribute offensively. But um, what would you look for for drafting good defensemen? Yeah, I think defensemen, like you got to get two or three at the top of your draft because after that, there's like a huge drop off in terms of production. So if you only have one defenseman in your first like seven rounds, then you're going to be in trouble because by then most of the top guys have gone and then you're not going to get this, that solid point production. I know you usually you can fill out your last couple of defensemen there at the end, but you need like two or three really solid guys near the top. So um, I'd say in your first like six or seven rounds, you need at least two defensemen and they got to be really solid. And then in your next couple picks after that, you'll take a defenseman. So you have three like pretty good guys and then you can grab a couple after that, you know, to fill out your lineup and then one for your bench as well. Uh, one or two, depending on your bench size. But yeah, um, defense is really important. Um, those elite guys, you definitely got to get one of them. So I guess those like top 10 or 12 defensemen, you got to at least get one of them. And then the ones after that, you got to try and get one as well. Sure. And so uh, I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on looking for undervalued players? Uh, maybe it's like at the, um, the last few spots, like you have like yeah like honestly you're just looking for guys like i said line placement um these guys are playing with top players um looking at guys that could break out as well um rookies all those sorts of things like there's just like a few things you keep in mind also you can kind of see the team you already have so if you already have a lot of young guys maybe you add some vets late at the end um usually i'm adding a lot of centers near the end because i have drafted more like uh, wing spots, defense goalies earlier on because center is like pretty deep. So uh, sometimes I'll draft like a, a center or two there near the end. Sure. That sounds pretty good. I think we covered uh, a lot of aspects on uh, drafting for the NHL. Some, are, some stuff carries over to different sports. Some is uh, more specific to hockey in general. Uh, we didn't look at the top 50, but we did look at the top 10 kind of, to kind of give you guys a picture of uh, what to expect when you draft um, in hockey. So uh, that's going to be it for everything NHL. All right, let's get to some Fanatics football now. Um, yeah, we'll just talk some draft strategies heading into the season. Um, I guess we'll look at the top 10 going into the 2022 season. This is in half point PPR rankings. Um, got Jonathan Taylor running back at number one, Christian McCaffrey running back at number two. Austin Eckler running back at number three, Derrick Henry running back at number four, Cooper Cup wide receiver at number five, Dalvin Cook running back at number six, Justin Jefferson wide receiver at number seven, Najee Harris running back at number eight, Joel Mixon running back at number nine, and Jamar Chase wide receiver at number 10. Um, I guess we'll start with the first round. Do you prefer taking a running back? Do you prefer taking a wide receiver? I guess, how do you like starting out your draft? Honestly, I go with the running back first just because they can, um, I guess, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just fantasy points, but running backs can get their fantasy points. Um, if you're in a fantasy points league, they kind of get them in more diverse ways than wide receivers potentially. Uh, normally, wide receivers, they're, they're kind of dependent on targets from the quarterback, but running backs, they could be 
catch or um, they can run the ball themselves. So I feel like um, you should probably go for a run back first. Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, for me, the only way I'd consider taking a wide receiver over a running back is potentially in like PPR leagues, just because each catch is a full point. So I feel like that uh, let's just say if Stefan Diggs is getting like 10 catches a game, that's 10 points alone, not including yards and touchdowns. So I, I, I would consider, you know, taking a guy uh, early in the first round if they're a wide receiver in PPR leagues. But I feel like in standard and half point PPR, the receptions are not enough for me to take them over a running back. I feel like you're, you're spot on there. I definitely would prefer taking a running back in the first round because also running backs – they sort of run dry after the first few rounds. That's what I've noticed as well. I guess we'll use that as a way to get into the next few rounds. I feel like a strategy I've used is like in your first four rounds, no matter how you draft your team, you want like two running backs. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, sometimes I like to kind of um, take a little bit of a risk and go for three running backs and see if I can get some wide receivers uh, later mainly just because um, I feel like you can kind of um, take that risk if you feel like you can get wide receivers later in the draft. Yeah, that's definitely a risk I've seen a lot of people taking, especially since you don't need to draft quarterback necessarily right away as well as tight end. So what you can do is, yeah, you can you can go like wide receiver uh, and then like three straight running backs. You can go running back, wide receiver, and then running back, running back. Um, like however you want to do it, like in your first like four picks, but definitely if you leave your first four picks with one running back only, I feel like you're in pretty big trouble because I'd say by the time four rounds goes, that's like 48 picks in a 12 man league. I think your highest running back is Travis Etienne. So yeah, you're definitely going to be in a little bit of trouble there because like ETN is like in a split backfield, AJ Dillon split backfield, Miles Sanders split backfield, Damian Harris split backfield. So you kind of get the point. All the, like the for sure starters are going to be gone by then. So you definitely need to have two, if not more. And running backs are one of those positions that get reached for a lot. So you'll see a lot of wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks potentially falling to you. So that's just something you got to be aware of. And if, if you see a running back where you're drafting, then you might be able to get value at other positions later on. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really, really like that as well. So for example, you take, um, let's say you really like Derek, Derek Henry, you take him first, and then you kind of skip out on Peter Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson. So let's say you go with either Najee Harris or Joe Mixon first, and then in the third round, you take another risk and you go for like Aaron Jones or DeAndre Swift or something. And for example, if someone else skips on, on Cooper Cup now and the fourth round, uh, Cooper Cup like falls to you. So that's uh, a lot of value right there. Yeah, for sure. Like you, you're just looking for value at the end of the day. That's one of the things to keep in mind in drafts. Like um, if you can get uh, guys to fall to you and you're not like panicking over positions, like if you balance out the way that you draft so that you're not reaching for any specific position, 
Um, so if you, like you said, grab three running backs nice and early, and then you just let guys from other positions fall to you, you should be in a pretty good spot. I know you might not get like an elite level quarterback or an elite level tight end, but at the end of the day, you'll have a pretty balanced roster. And I guess, um, I guess getting to like mid and late rounds, I guess, what are your thoughts on like, I guess, drafting like potential like quarterbacks that could break out potential like wide receivers that can break out. Like, I guess, what are your thoughts on like drafting breakout players? Um, I guess for breakout players, um, it's, I kind of just, um, look at the stats, but I also kind of look on the team that they're on. For example, if I feel like, um, let's say they're on a team with, uh, really like a solid, like if you're looking for like a wide receiver, you kind of want to look for a quarterback who's um, pretty solid. For example, um, Tampa Bay has Tom Brady, so you can kind of go for a lot of wide receivers there. You can even uh, reach a little bit for some wide receivers or just um, let some of them fall to you um, just because there's probably a high chance that you could get a breakout from there just because um, Tom Brady is um, very pass-heavy. Yeah, I guess like my thoughts also on like drafting guys that potentially could be like injured heading into the season is that like I wouldn't draft them in like a starting position on my roster. I would sort of draft them as a bench player because if for some reason they take longer to come back from their injury, then you're kind of like stuck because you drafted them early. And then, you know, you, you kind of like they were supposed to be your starter, but now you have to start someone that really should belong on your bench. So um, I guess with guys like James Robinson, Chris Godwin, guys that are coming into the season, potentially injured, potentially not starting the season on time. That's definitely something you got to keep an eye out for. Also potential suspensions like Alvin Kamara, Deshaun Watson, uh, those kind of things. We know Calvin Ridley suspended for the full season. So of course you won't be drafting him. Uh, at least I hope not. But uh, yeah, like guys like that, you definitely got to gotta keep a close eye on. Um, and I guess, um, yeah, especially if you play in like, um, like apps like Yahoo, they usually tell you at the draft table if a player is injured going into the season. So um, usually that'll help you out. I know, I think one time, I don't know if it was me or you, we drafted someone and they tore their ACL the same day. <laughs> it was like, it's the worst feeling in the world, but that's why also in this sport, as well as the other two, you try and draft as close to the start of the season as you can late August, early September for NFL, I guess. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like NFL is one of the, um, it's one of the most, uh, I guess, injury, I don't want to say injury ridden, but like it's the most unpredictable out of three sports because sometimes people get injured in preseason and then there's a player that you thought could be a potential breakout to get injured preseason. And let's say you started your draft in the preseason and you drafted that player, that player is now out for the season. So you're probably going to be scrambling either for a trade if it's in keeper league, or you're going to be having to check the waiver wire pretty much every week. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's not a great feeling, especially with those running back injuries. They really hurt because your running back is such a steady producer for you. And then that's why uh, I guess we'll get to bench drafting. Now, one strategy I really like for drafting bench is like, I guess, replacement players for my starters. So if you, let's just say you have Christian McCaffrey, you draft like Chuba Hubbard onto your bench so that if anything happens to McCaffrey, you have his backup. So you're going to get that workload. 
Um, and then wide receivers, it could be the same way. Like, uh, for example, if you have Stefan Diggs, you can draft Gabriel Davis for your bench. Cause if everything, if anything happened to Diggs, then Gabriel Davis becomes the number one in that offense. So um, I guess that's one strategy for, for my bench. I guess, do you have any other bench strategies? I guess for um, bench strategies, you could, I guess, look for, it, you could look for like maybe um, undervalued players. Like for example, before like the last couple of seasons um i think there was a year where leonard Fournette he was like a potential breakout running back so um, if you drafted him onto your bench as like a bench running back and he had that breakout season i think it was on the jaguars if i remember correctly if he had like once breakout season on the jaguars so if you drafted if you managed to draft him onto your bench you would have had um a really good running back just coming off your bench yeah, I think even last year, some people were getting him as a bench uh, running back and he really broke out as well. So, um, yeah, uh, definitely a solid example there. Um, yeah, just drafting a lot of young players onto your bench, guys that could potentially break out. Like I know a lot of people last year were drafting Amon Ross St. Brown and then he had that second year breakout. Uh, some people weren't patient enough to hold him. I know I wasn't because I was battling through a lot of injuries and I needed the the pickups. So I, I kind of paid the price for that. But um, yeah, definitely stuff you got to keep an eye out for is these breakout players, especially second half of the season. I know we saw that with the running backs and like Javante Williams last year for the Broncos. Just definitely keep an eye on those kind of things for this season. Uh, potentially uh, drafting a young guys like Brees Hall at running back maybe like a Jamison Williams at wide receiver, that kind of thing for like a potential breakout later in the season. That's always nice to look at. And then I guess for quarterbacks, I think for your first guy, you definitely have to have like a for sure starter. And then I guess for your backup, you can either have like a, a solid like backup that will get you like bare minimum points with not too many turnovers, or I guess looking at a guy that could potentially break out, I guess, what are your thoughts on QBs? I think for quarterbacks, um, depending on where you draft, I suggest a quarterback um, that kind of does everything. For example, someone like Josh Allen. I think he's been for a first overall for quarterbacks. So if you're fairly early um, in the drafts, um, you're probably going to want to take someone like um, Josh, Josh Allen because he throws he, and he runs. So He's going to be getting a lot of uh, points for you just from that. So, and I guess um, Tom Brady would be an example of, I guess, a quarterback who doesn't get a lot of categories, but he can, he's, he can throw the ball really well. So he's going to be getting a lot of, I guess, passing yards. He's going to be getting a lot of chance for you. So I guess that's kind of my thoughts on quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Like, like you're talking about those guys that can like, throw and run like those are like your, your like main like top five ten guys um if you draft one of those guys your backup can just be like one of those like solid like starters like maybe like a matt ryan could be your backup because you're not really looking for a guy to break out and overtake your starting quarterback if that makes sense so you just want a solid backup for bye weeks injuries that kind of thing so you take like a matt ryan or you take like a uh, I don't know, like who another example could be of like that type of quarterback where it's not too flashy, but he gets the job done. Um, like, I mean, if Baker Mayfield's a starter, he's probably like another one of those type of guys. So he's not too flashy, 
but he gets the job done when he needs to. If you need that solid, like 15 to 20 points on a bye week, he'll get that for you, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. And then if you're sort of taking a guy, like you said, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, guys with maybe less mobility at this point in their career, maybe Kirk Cousins, who doesn't run as much. If you take those guys as like your first quarterback, then maybe you go with a backup that could break out like a Trey Lance, like a Justin Fields, um, some of these guys that are later on that could potentially to a tag of Ilo is another one of those guys as well that could maybe break out. And then, yeah, if they do break out, then you have your solid starter and a really good guy as backup that you can either keep or you could trade. So, um, yeah, definitely really solid. Honestly, for tight ends, it's like hit or miss at this point. Uh, you have like five or six main guys, and then you just got to pretty much look at each uh, situation and sort of project. Um, tight, tight ends like a minefield at this point, I guess. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's really hard to predict exactly who's going to be reliable for you. Like, again, outside of the top five, it could be pretty much anyone. Um, I guess maybe a couple of names, I guess, and then the second tier tight ends, like, for example, TJ Hawkinson, he could be potentially um, pretty solid. Um, you could look at Zach Ertz. He's on a really solid team, and Zach Ertz is a pretty solid tight end. So he's a potential, I guess, tight end who could do a lot of work for you. And then just just going later into the draft, like you said, it's uh, it's pretty much a blind field. Could look at maybe Albert Albert O because um, Russell Wilson is going to be in Denver, so that kind of erases the offense for everyone else. So I guess that's also something to look out for. You want to look at if there's a solid um, quarterback who kind of raises the talent level of everyone else because that could potentially raise the talent level of the tight end. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, you're definitely looking for guys that are going to be getting targets. That's probably the main thing um, when you're looking at wide receivers and um, and tight ends. Like they got to be getting a decent amount of targets, and then what they do with them after that. Like, well, you definitely have to see. And then where those targets are, are they in the red zone? Are they going to be catching touchdowns? That kind of thing. So definitely important things to look out for. Of course, running backs. It's the amount of carries they're getting, the amount of catches, that kind of thing. So definitely look out for that as well and then i guess one more thing we can cover for football it's bye weeks this is something that's different than both nba and nhl you don't have to deal with that because you're doing your roster on a daily basis nfl you're doing it once a week there are bye weeks and if i've definitely run into trouble sometimes with drafting too many players in the same bye week so that's definitely something you got to look out for um i guess what's one of your strategies to avoid it other than keeping like a mental track of it Honestly, it kind of just comes down to keeping a mental track of it for the most part. But I think one thing that could help, um, you want to try to draft um, different bye weeks for every position. So, for example, if you need, if you have um, two quarterback spots for your roster, you um, draft a different bye week for each quarterback spot. Um, let's say you have three wide receiver spots, you draft a different bye, bye week for that. And you draft a different bye week for the running backs as well. So um, you kind you can kind of just go with go I guess spot by spot, make sure you have a different bye week for each position, and then hopefully it'll work out. 
yeah, spot by spot's important, but then sometimes you still got to look at like your team overall. Like I have too many by week 12s, even if they're at different positions, it's still going to hurt your team because then all those guys are going to have to have replacements for that week. So um, yeah, honestly, if you can spread it out, I'd probably say like two or three players from the same bye week at max. Uh, you don't want to go any more than that. If it gets to four players, you're you're going to be in a crunch that week, especially if it is like a week 12 and that's like a playoff push week. So um, yeah, you definitely want to keep track of that. I guess one other strategy that I guess applies to all of the sports is I guess doing mock drafts. Um, that's definitely a way to see uh, uh, like, especially if you know the draft position you're at going into the draft, you can mock draft from that position and see potential lineups that you could be drafting from that spot. Just to give yourself an idea, it helps with bye weeks in NFL. For NHL, uh, it helps sort of, uh, you know, uh, how fast defensemen are going, how fast goalies are going. Am I going to be able to round on my roster? And then for NBA, we talked about getting bigs and that kind of thing early. You can definitely see if your roster's well-rounded that way, I guess. Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, mock drafts overall? Uh, I really like mock drafts. And it kind of um, gives you a little bit of practice into um, just how to draft, especially if you haven't really been doing uh, too much um, fantasy sports in general. You want to start out with doing some mock drafts because then it's going to kind of give you an idea of how drafting works. And then you can kind of... Um, give yourself kind of some it's like giving yourself some practice for the real thing if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like giving yourself practice before writing a test, that kind of thing. Cause um yeah, especially for drafting, like you only have like sometimes like 30 seconds to a minute, sometimes a minute and a half. Like you don't always have a lot of time. So if you've mock draft and you kind of know the players that you you would want on your team so that you don't overthink it when it comes time, because you, you should already have a good idea of who you might want to take before your pick comes. When your pick comes, like the time just like it goes by so quickly, like you don't need like 30 seconds feels like 10. So like you just like you have no time to be making a decision or doing any research Like you got to get down to your two or three guys that you want to pick and then you just make the decision right there. So mock draft drafting definitely helps with that. And then you won't feel like, oh, I reached for this guy. Oh, I, I rushed it and I didn't get this guy. Oh, it auto picked for me, that kind of thing. Like you don't want to run into that. So mock drafting is definitely one of the more solid strategies, I guess I'll get to you. I guess any last thoughts on, I guess, draft strategies for football or I guess any strategies in general. I guess I was wondering about your thoughts on, uh, for example, if you're a fan of the Patriots and you feel like you know the roster pretty well. So like, I guess what would your thoughts be on um, looking at your favorite team and kind of um, feeling out the draft for that? Honestly, like, I don't think it's a bad thing to draft from your favorite team, because then while you're cheering for your fantasy team, you won't be cheering against your favorite team. So I feel like it's a good thing in that sense. But um, at the end of the day, uh, I find people reach too much for players from their favorite team and they don't realize the value. Like, I think there's years where it's like the only Patriots player I had was like my kicker or my defense just because like I wanted someone to cheer for from my team and uh, I didn't get any Patriots player at a good value. I know you could probably say the same thing for Cleveland as well. 
Um, but yeah, honestly, at the end of the day, you definitely want to take players from your favorite team because like fantasy is supposed to be fun. You want to be cheering on your team at the end of the day. But I, I guess I wouldn't reach for, for them. I'd get them at their proper value. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You've got to have to, uh, I guess, think about value first. And then hopefully uh, your favorite player is probably uh, going to be somewhere there. Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, I guess this pretty much wraps up um, Fanatics Football and the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Um, this is actually going to be our last episode of the season. Um, I guess if we're starting another season, we don't know what the future holds. I will definitely let you guys know. But yeah, 200 episodes is a great season. Um, yeah, Nate, I guess what are your thoughts on, on this entire um, I guess podcast as a whole, you know, just being able to put out 200 episodes, just being able to talk fantasy. Um, I guess all the things that have happened along the way, all the guests we've had, all the people that have been on here, I guess, uh, any thoughts on that? Oh, well, it's been an interesting 200 episodes. We've had um, a lot of guests. We've had a few hosts. It's been fun being able to kind of bounce ideas off of each other, so. Yeah, it's a good 200 episodes. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, we definitely started everything in 2020 when there was a lot of lockdowns going around in North America. So I think we had a lot more free time on our hands. I think a lot of our free time has been sort of shrunk uh, out of our lives now. So um, yeah, it's been a lot uh, more difficult to sort of get episodes going week by week, but we've been able to do it for 200 episodes. And I guess who knows what the future holds. We might be back here again doing another season. But honestly, I've had so much fun doing this. Um, you know, it's been more fun than stress at the end of the day. We've had to do our research, but it's been great talking with you guys. I guess any, I guess, last comments before we sort of sign off. I guess maybe we should have some special thanks for um, kind of the other hosts and I guess the guys who um, helped us out with stuff for example um, terry and mete they were um, pretty um, consistent hosts with us so um, huge shout out to them i guess huge shout out to um, victoria who was helping us with um, the injury portion of the podcast that uh, we had for a while huge shout out to clark who helped us um, with the media aspect of the podcast yeah, I know the six of us, we originally started this all together. Um, people did different parts. Uh, I know people got busy after a while. Uh, Victoria went and started working with the Toronto Argonauts uh, for part of it. She started doing different things. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, Clark did a lot of the design. Then the hosts, uh, yourself, myself, Mete, Terry, uh, they've been great. All the guests we've had, we had Aaron on, we had Michael, we had a couple other people as well. Um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. I know they definitely said they had a lot of fun doing it. Um, yeah. And I guess, uh, another thank you is, is, I guess, to all the listeners, um, all of the people that followed us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, shout out Instagram and Twitter at fan fan podcast. Um, yeah, we'll definitely see about, uh, picks getting up. I don't know if they will be as consistent, uh, or what it'll be, but hopefully we'll still be able to get picks up. Um, yeah, all the people that followed us on social media, all the people that subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
uh, the people that left likes, uh, comments, shares, um, everything. Like it was, so we really appreciate everything. And yeah, um, bittersweet moment, but um, Nate, thanks again for, you know, uh, doing uh, the last few episodes with myself. And um, yeah, um, normally we say we'll talk to you on the next episode, but uh, we'll just say uh, thanks again. And we'll let, we'll let you guys know uh, if we're starting another season. Um, I guess so long from everyone at the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Thank you.